are listening to a message from Westside Christian Church, located in the heart of Wichita, Kansas. We hope this teaching helps you to join Jesus and bring life. We would love to hear your story. Email us at hello at westsidechristian.org to share what God is doing in your life. So it's Easter Sunday, and it's this celebration of the resurrection that brings us together, that allows us to gather together. And it's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, If you've been joining us over uh, the last few weeks, or maybe you've been just reading along uh, with us as a church, uh, we have been reading through the gospel of Mark. And Mark's gospel is, is this story of Jesus. And it's really the story of crown and cross. The first half of that gospel lays out the the case that Jesus is king. And you see Jesus making these claims over and over again. And you don't see Jesus being nice, but you see him proclaiming truth of who he is and what he's about. And then you see Jesus turning toward the cross. It even says in the text that he turned his face toward Jerusalem. And it begins to move this direction. And so when we've walked through this story, it brings us to this place where we have to ask the question... What do we do with it? How do we respond? And for me, as I've been reflecting on it and reflecting on how do we talk about the resurrection, especially in light of our last Sunday together as a fellowship, I was brought back to the beginning of Mark. And that very first verse, if you remember, it starts off and it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And the problem is, I think a lot of times when we tell the story of Jesus... It just doesn't come across as good news. It comes across as bad news. Um, You've you've maybe seen somebody standing out on the street corner with a sign that says, repent, the end is near. Uh, Or you've seen somebody and they walk up to you and they immediately start asking the questions, where have you failed in your life? And you begin to have this sense that maybe it's not as good as you thought it was. I remember being in Bible college and going to a concert with some of my friends um, at this little venue there in Joplin, and outside the venue was a group of Christians telling us that we were all going to hell because there was rock music in there. So if you remember, it was, they had one sign that said, syncopation is from the devil. And that's a, that's, a, that's a group that really doesn't understand the good news. And so what do you do with good news? How do we know if it's good news? Um, there are two things that we have to do. One, we have to ask the question, is it true? And the second thing we have to ask is, is does it matter? Because you might hear good news, but it really doesn't matter to you. It doesn't mean anything to you. Um, If I told you that my friend Isaiah recently got a new job, I can can prove to you. I can show you that he's got a new job. He changed his Facebook status. But it doesn't matter to you. You don't care. It doesn't mean anything to you. But if you're Isaiah and his family, it means a lot. And so what matters is how we know if it's good news is, is, is it true and does it matter? Does it apply to me? Does it change anything for me? And so is it true? In Mark chapter 16, if you've got your Bibles, that's where we're going to be. You can flip them open to Mark chapter 16. You have the coming of, the, of, of these, this group of women. Um, and they're coming to the tomb. And what's happened is Jesus was crucified which was one of the most painful ways ever, ever created to die. And it was created to be suffering. It was created to be a marker, a warning to anybody else. 
That if you think you're so good, if you think you could get out of your station, if you think you could lead a rebellion or take what doesn't belong to you, this is what can happen. And it's the death that was so bad uh, that Plutarch actually said that no good Roman should ever even talk about it. Shouldn't even discuss it in polite company. It was that appalling. And so Jesus was crucified. And it was coming up on the Sabbath. He was crucified on a Friday. And so they had to rush to take his body down and to bury it. And a couple of wealthy men probably even had to bribe a pilot to get the body of Jesus. And they put it in a tomb. And they sealed it up. And then you know what happened, ha- had to happen? The women probably realized that the men were in a hurry. And ladies, you know what happens when men are in a hurry. They don't do it right, do they? And so it says, starting in verse 1, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they could anoint the body of Jesus very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the tomb's entrance? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone which was very large, had already been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting at the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Go, uh, but go and tell his disciples. And Peter... Uh, He is going ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him there. And trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They were startled. They were taken aback because they didn't, it just wasn't the story that they expected. It wasn't the story that anybody expected. We have so much grown up in a culture that is informed by who Jesus is, informed by the resurrection, that for us, the idea that a hero could die and give himself over for somebody else, that's a great story. It's it's, it's the story of Harry's mom in the Harry Potter books. It's the story of Frodo in Lord of the Rings. It's also Samwise's story in in that great tale. It's the story that so many of us have heard before. This idea that you could lay down your life, but that was not something that was a part of that culture. Heroes didn't die. And if they died, they died in battle. They died a glorious death, sword in hand, like the Spartans standing in the gap, keeping the barbarians at bay. That was the story that was expected. A warrior king. And even though Jesus had been telling them that if you kill me, I'm going to raise, I'm going to come back, I will raise from the dead. On the third day, he was pretty specific. People didn't believe him. You see what it said? They brought spices with them. The amount of spices, some people have speculated, could be as much as 100 pounds. It would probably have been a lot of money. It might have been all that they had. But they cared about Jesus. And they wanted it done right. And there wasn't even a part of them that said, well, hey, remember he said that resurrection thing. I mean, that's like, that doesn't seem likely, right? But listen, we should go check before we go spending all this money. We should go check to make sure. But they were so convinced he would still be there. Convinced that he would be in the tomb. 
And it speaks to the truth of this story. But you also have a piece of this story that we miss because we live so far away from their culture. But the three people that are coming to the tomb, they're all women. And in that culture, women were so much, apart, so much, so much looked down on and so much apart that even Josephus, in his, in his book, uh, Jewish Antiquities, where he kind of recounts the history of the Jews, he writes that, uh, you, but do not let the testimony of women be admitted on account of their levity and the boldness of their sex, since they will probably not speak truth either out of hope of gain or fear of punishment. It's a different view of ladies than we would have in our culture. But he wasn't the only one. He was, the Talmud also said, you can't, you can't listen to the testimony of women because they're flighty. They can't be trusted. And so to have women bear witness to the resurrection speaks to its truth. Because if you were making this up, if you were telling this story, it's not how it would go. It's not how I would write it. It's not how you would write it. You'd have some heroes in there. Peter just waiting, standing outside of the tomb on the third day, waiting to see. Jesus said he was coming, and you want the hero to be there. But instead, you have this story that speaks truth. Paul even testifies to its truth. When he talks about not only was Jesus raised according to the scriptures, this is in 1 Corinthians in his letter to the church at Corinth there. He said, not only was he raised on the third day according to scripture, but he appeared to Cephas, uh, which is Peter's other name, Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. And, P- and uh, Paul goes on to say, most of whom have fallen asleep, which is Paul's nice way of saying uh, some of them have died. But most of them are still around. You can go find them and see. You can go ask them, and they will bear witness to this. And it's such an unexpected story, a story that doesn't fit with anything else, a story that doesn't fit with anybody else. And it ends so abruptly. And so it points toward its truth. It points toward that something happened. Because if it didn't happen, if something didn't happen, what you would end up with is you would end up with people saying, listen, you should hear Jesus' teachings. You should hear what he said. Boy, it was something. He had this story about the Good Samaritan. Where this bad guy came in, he got beat up. And then these, these two, the two religious guys walked by. You should have heard that story. It was great. Or the story, Jesus told this story of the, of the prodigal son. Of this son who goes off and loses all his money. And that father in that story, whew, you got to hear this story. But that's not what they say. That's not how the early church talks about it. When they stand up to give testimony, they say, you should see what Jesus did. You should see what happened. You should hear about this. And it's a totally different view from anything else. And the truth is, one of the things that's remarkable is that there's never been a sight of the tomb of Jesus. There's no place that Christians have gathered and said, this is where the body of Jesus is. There's no place where others have gathered and pointed and said, here's Jesus' body. And the problem is, is this started so soon after his crucifixion. So soon after his death. And yet there's no evidence that pointed toward a tomb. 
We know where Abraham's buried. We know where David's buried. We know where uh, Muhammad's buried. We know where the Buddha is buried. But there's no record of where Jesus was buried. But in just the hundreds, so just 30, 40, 50 years later, there were so many Christians in Rome that when the city burned, Nero blamed them. This wasn't a small group. This wasn't something that, that started years down the road. But it started right away. Because it wasn't just about teachings, but it was about the king who had risen. And it changed everything. And so if it's true, what does it mean for us? Does it really matter? I mean, that's the question you've got to ask yourself, is does it matter to me? I love the way that Mark's gospel ends. That it just stops. It ends abruptly. It says, they didn't tell anyone. But we know that they did. We know that it kept going. We know that the story unfolded from there. Because this isn't an end. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of what God is doing. The resurrection of Jesus isn't the end of his story. It's an invitation to follow him. The resurrection is Jesus triumphing over sin and death. And it's an invitation for us to follow And so this is really the beginning of the story. It's the beginning of the church. Things are going to really take off now because the king has raised. And it changes everything. It changes the disciples. If you've been reading along in the book of Mark, one of the things you've noticed about the disciples is they are, uh, to use a Bible word here, they're kind of dumb. They don't get it. They don't understand what Jesus is doing. He keeps having to back up and ask and explain and and justify what's happening and tell them who he is and what's happening. And yet you see this pivot from simple men who don't quite understand, men who were uh, fishermen, men who were tax collectors and outsiders. You see this pivot of this group of kind of a rogues gallery to becoming leaders, Men who take forth the gospel. Men who triumphantly stand up and proclaim the truth that the king has raised. That death and sin no longer have a hold. That the kingdom goes forth. It's an invitation for us. Because it's only the beginning and we get to play a part in that. When you look around and see that the world is still so broken... It's because God is not finished. God has a part for us to play in this. God has called us to participate in what he's doing. And to do that, you have to follow Jesus. One of the things that happens in Mark's gospel is Jesus is already gone. He's not gone, gone. He is just, he is off to Galilee. He is off to proclaim the truth that he is king and that the world is going to go forth. And if you want to be a part of that, you have to follow Jesus. Because he's not going to stay still. He's going to travel around. He's going to be moving and shaking. And if you want to be a part of it, you have to follow him. And that's the question that it leaves us with this morning, is are you willing to follow? Are you willing to follow Jesus, to go where he's called you to go, to go wherever he leads Because I can tell you that it's not an easy thing to do. Because you never know where Jesus is going to take you. But you know that he is on the move. And he's going to do things that upset people. Because he has taken and conquered the old way of life. 
And for some of you, that is your story. That the old life, the life you used to live, is behind you. And for some of you, that, that happened so long ago that there are people in this room that have never known you as anything other than a Christian. But you know your own story. You know the legacy of your past. And for some of you this morning, you kind of lost your way. You kind of misplaced where you were going. You kind of need to come back, to follow again, to say that sin and death, they have no place here anymore, that the old life is gone because Jesus is on the move. Jesus is is doing things. He is preaching the truth. He is changing lives, and I want to be a part of that because when you do that, you never know what's going to happen. Like this week, I got kissed by a man that I just met. He was 72. I'm a cheek. His name's Joe Wright. Uh, Many of you know the name Joe Wright from here in Wichita. Uh, Brother Wright and I got to get together and talk and share some stories, and I got to meet him. And Brother Wright came to faith under a man named Wayne Smith who was the same man that preached at the little church down the street from my dad, where my dad started going to church and was baptized. And we got to tell some Wayne stories. And we got to laugh and to remember. And I got to experience something that is unique. I got to be friends with somebody who's much older than me, somebody whose life is much different from mine. And yet we got to be together because somebody followed Jesus. Brother Joe followed Jesus out here. He left the promised land of Kentucky to be here. You better believe we talked about Kentucky basketball. It was great. But Brother Brother Wright met Wayne because Wayne was following Jesus. Wayne was seeking him. My dad got to meet Wayne because of the same thing. And I've ended up out here through those same steps. And nobody would look back and say, this is how this is going to work. This is how this is going to happen. This is how this story is going forth. But each person in that story was following Jesus just as far as they could, just to where it brought them. And the truth is, if we could go back in time, we could meet the person that led Wayne to Christ. And we could go back all the way through history because that's how this thing has always moved. Through somebody following Jesus. It's why you're here today. Because somebody followed Jesus and it brought you here. And some of you are like, well, I'm only here because my mom wanted me to come. But your mom's following Jesus. We are all influenced by this story and it changes everything and it should change us if I could leave you with anything it would be the plea to follow Jesus I don't know where it'll take you I don't know what it will look like I don't even know where you will end up but I know that if you follow him you'll be right where God wants you to be that whatever those next steps are for you, whatever it means for you, you will be where God wants you, where God desires you, 
the life that God wants you to have, that, that is free of your past, of the things that have dogged you and harmed you. The whispers that you're pretty sure you know what they're about. You're pretty sure you know what people are saying. You can feel that. There's that guilt that weighs on you. And I can tell you it gets to go away when we follow Jesus through the life that he's called us to. And so Easter Sunday is about the resurrection, the going forth of the king, that the kingdom has come and it will rule and reign. That God has a purpose for you and it's following Jesus. And so this morning, I invite you to give your life to him. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe you just need to pray with somebody. Um, I'll be down front and some of the elders will too. Uh, Maybe you just need to pray to ask God to help you to to see what the next steps are. Maybe you're coming here and you've been coming to Westside for years and you don't know what the next chapter will look like. I can tell you that God has a plan for you if you continue to follow Jesus. Maybe you need to come this morning and give your life to Jesus to say yes to him through baptism to be washed, to be buried, to have your old life die, and to be raised to new life in Him. We invite you to come, to take that step, and to follow our King. Because it is good news. And it's true, and it matters. And so what are you going to do with that? Father God, would we follow you to take those steps in faith? God, I thank you for all those who've come before me, who've pointed toward the truth that Jesus is king and that nothing will be the same. Father, I thank you for what you're doing here now. Not just in the past of this church, but this moment in this room as we have gathered to celebrate and to remember. God, our hearts are heavy as we know that we are coming to an end as a fellowship. But we're also so thankful that your church continues to go forth, that your truth will be preached. God, we pray for each of us as we take those steps to follow, to submit our lives to Jesus and to say yes to him. It is in the name of our King who rules and reigns and will come again to judge the living and the dead that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us at westsidechristian.org.